Welcome to Faith and Good Counsel, where we talk about ways to live a virtuous life and all of the things that affect us in our vocations, in whatever state of life we may be in. And now your host, Stacy Galino. Hello there, my dear listeners. I'm so happy to be back with you again today. Hope you're enjoying this fall season of the Faith and Good Counsel Show. Boy, we've got a lineup that continues to roll, and I'm just thrilled with my guest today. My guest is Sue Ellen Browder. Now, her name might not be familiar to you, but I bet it will be shortly when you get a copy. Everyone should get a copy of Subverted. That is her brand new book. And let me tell you why that book is so very, very important. In fact, it's Subverted, How I Helped the Sexual Revolution Hijack the Women's Movement. So I let me tell you a little bit about my experience with Cosmopolitan Magazine before I bring Sue Ellen on. At the, from the ages of 15 to 18, I worked at our public library, and one of my duties was to process magazines coming in of all sorts. And, you know, every now and then I might thumb through a few. Um, I'm going to go ahead and admit it. <laughs> Wasted a little bit of time there. And one of those that would catch my eye was Cosmopolitan Magazine. And never did I think I would be sitting here today with you with one of the writers for Cosmopolitan Magazine, Sue Ellen Browder, who has had a conversion and who is now a Catholic and who is sharing with us how she helped the sexual revolution hijack the women's movement. So, Sue Ellen Browder, welcome to the Faith and Good Counsel Show. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Well, I, I think the topic today is From Cosmo to Christ, because I tell you, some of the content in Cosmopolitan Magazine, um, I would say most of it, was really shocking to me, um, and I didn't understand a lot of it, and it, it, it really disturbed me. And in fact, um, there was an agenda there, and that's what we're going to be talking about today with you, Sue Ellen. Um, but first, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your sharing your story with us. We need to hear this history that is beginning to pass away. We have to understand the roots of um, why we are in such chaos post-sexual revolution in our modern culture culture today and why so many hearts are broken, both men and women. So before we begin, Sue Ellen, would you join me please in prayer? And I want to pray a particular prayer that... Um, we prayed at Theology of the Body, some of the training that I've been doing, and this comes from Christopher West. So if you would join with me, please, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the, Holy, the Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is prayer for the redemption of sexual desire. Lord, I praise you and thank you for the gift of my sexual desires. I give all the lustful desires of my heart to you and ask you to crucify them. Grant me the grace and courage to die with you so that I might also be raised with you. By the power of your death and resurrection, untwist in me what sin has twisted so that I might know and experience sexual desire as you created it to be, as the desire to love freely, totally, faithfully, and fruitfully. Amen. 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 St. John Paul II, St. Jude. St. Francis de Sales, Our Lady of Good Counsel, please pray for us. Amen. Amen. That's a beautiful prayer, Sue Ellen. And one, I, I don't know that that one would ever have been printed in Cosmopolitan Magazine, because in fact, the agenda was quite the opposite, wasn't it? 
Right. God was never mentioned in Cosmo. That was one of the things people say was Cosmo anti-religion. Well, of course it was, but our, our idols were sex, power, and money, and God was not even mentioned. He was erased. And, and that's, that's what you're seeing in our culture a lot, is God is not, is not, is, I'm not anti-God, it's just no God at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but anyway, I wrote this book, um, Subverted, How I Helped the Sexual Revolution Hijack the Women's Movement. I wrote it as penance. Wow. Once I became a Catholic and saw in the light of Christ what I had done, I just had to set the record straight. You know, I'm almost 70, and it's time that this has got to be set straight before I die. Really, that's 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 how this started. So let me tell you about it. I was start went. I was very well trained as an investigative journalist at the University of Missouri. I had a, a good, solid ethical training and background at the University of Missouri School of Journalism. I left the School of Journalism, and my first job was on a newspaper in in Southern California. And that newspaper, uh, I met a woman there, an editor. Uh, well, she was an editor, and she was also my one of my co-journalists. She sat beside me, and she taught me how to make up a source. Oh. In other words, there. This was on just an, an ordinary newspaper now, and she said, "What what you do is." Um, well, why would you make up a source on a newspaper instead of actually going out and interviewing people? Because it's easier, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. It's an easy thing to do. You just sit at your desk, you make up this story, and it's, and you put it in the paper. And she said that they don't use the last name of Smith or Jones because that sounds fake. But she says Johnson is the third most common name in America, and it doesn't sound fake. So the mm. last name should be Johnson. Mm. Okay, or Garcia mm-hmm. in Southern California works too. Mm. Okay. So you're telling us well, that there are lies in the media. There are lies in the media, mm-hmm. and they're everywhere. Okay, and yeah. you just don't know where they are. Yeah. Okay, there yeah. is kind of, it's that snake in the grass. You're not sure where it is. Exactly. So okay, we you might say this would be harmless enough, but of course, you know, anytime you lie, that you're tearing at the very fabric of the universe. So okay, so I uh, so I leave I leave the University of Missouri, and my first job. I'm taught how to make up a source. I don't remember actually making up a source there, but when I went to Cosmo, I got went, we went, my husband and I went back to New York City. We had this dream of being freelance writers together. We were going to be, you know, rich and successful and happy and all of all of those dreams that young people have. Right. And we went to Cosmopolitan. Well, what I found out there was they were also making up things. Mm. In fact, they were making up almost every story about sexual about these sexually free women. The, in that in those days it was 1970, so that was a long time oh, ago. I remember okay. though. I was I was alive and kicking in 1970. Right. Yeah. In 1970, um there weren't that many women um living with their boyfriends, hopping in bed with each other uh or with with well with each other too. But there were not that many uh uh, women living this sexually free lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we did at Cosmo, or at least I could not find those women. Maybe some other people knew them. I didn't know them. But we we made up these stories about these women and and uh, put them in the magazine. In fact, you, so in th- fact, the chapter in your book is called "Make It," where you speak about this in great detail, which is shocking. I have to say, it's making up a revolution. Right. Right. Well, you know, this is another thing. 
it wasn't just Cosmo that made up this revolution. Right. It, was... it started with Kinsey, who was the mm-hmm. father of the sexual revolution, and he made up a lot of stuff. He didn't mm-hmm. make it up, per se. What, what propaganda is, is not all lies. Propaganda is half-truth, selected truth, and truth out of context. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what Kinsey did was he twisted that, that science of his. Mm-hmm. He went out and interviewed, I, you know, this is, this is off subject a little bit, but, the, but he was the founder of the sexual revolution. Mm-hmm. He went out and interviewed sex offenders in prisons and talked about and then cast them as being ordinary people. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. ordinary people are doing all this stuff. <laughs> I don't no, think they so. weren't. <laughs> No, they weren't. No, they weren't. And and so, again, at Cosmo, we did the same sort of thing. These are ordinary women going out. She goes to Paris. She's, she meets a man. Uh, well, they have coffee together. They jump into bed that night, and the next day she knows she's in love. Mm-hmm. Total, total mm-hmm. fabrication. That, that didn't actually exist. Mm-hmm. But we made up those stories, and they were embedded, again, in... True quotes from from experts. There were a lot of sexperts in those days, right. and uh, so so there, it was half truth. The, the 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 lies were these stories that we were fabricating. So this but was anyway, the, the what, Cosmo Girl, right? This is the, the Cosmo Girl yeah. was 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 made up. Oh. She she was she was a marketer's dream because the Cosmo Girl bought. She was always traveling. She was always had these rich clothes on. She had all this makeup on. You have to remember, Cosmo did something else that was very interesting um, that I noticed when I was there. Because again, I there's there's this investigative reporter inside of me watching all this, even as I'm mm-hmm. as I'm participating in it. And Cosmo. With all the makeup and all the stories, if you looked at it very closely, you would see that it was telling women you're not good enough the way you Absolutely. are. Absolutely, you need you need to have this makeup. You need to have this nose job. You need to have you need to be fixed up. There was one girl on uh, staff. Uh, her name was Catherine, a very nice young woman. Um, we they did a makeover on her. Okay, mm-hmm. and and they did the hair and the makeup and everything, and and Catherine was kind of plain, and they they made her into this glamour puss, and uh, they said to her um, in the magazine, they said, "Does she look better? Yes, we think so by fourteen hundred percent." Oh my goodness! Now two weeks later, this poor girl is back being herself again. She doesn't look like 1,400% anymore. She doesn't have the expensive hairstylist that maybe costs, today would probably cost six or $700 to get her hair done. Uh, she didn't have all that. So anyway, but we're going off, off that. So that was, that was the Cosmo world I lived in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the women's movement, which was started by Betty Friedan in 1963 when she wrote The Feminine Mystique. Yes. I remember that book. book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was an entirely different movement. The women's movement was was fighting for equality for women in the workplace, equality for women in the uh, in education. They wanted women to have equal pay for equal work. At that time, women were being fired for being pregnant. I was. Mm, I they mean... didn't. They wanted women to have the to be fully 
integrated into the workforce because actually a lot of women were in the workforce, but they weren't being treated with the dignity and respect that they sh- that they should be. You couldn't many medical schools would not take a woman, and you couldn't be a woman doctor. You couldn't be a lawyer. Uh, you had to. Uh, you couldn't work for the phone company except as an operator. There were help-wanted ads for men, and that was all the good jobs, all the managerial jobs, all the jobs that paid, and then there was help-wanted women, and that was all the the, the low-paying jobs, you so, know, waitress. So, so the original intent from Betty Friedan was a good one for... for yes for better um, respect of the dignity of woman in the workplace and in other other areas. But there, as we take our break, um, I want to come back with you, Sue Ellen Browder, author of Subverted, How I Helped the Sexual Revolution Hijack the Women's Movement. I want to come back and talk about how things got off track and how things became distorted. So will you stick with me? Okay. And we'll be right back on Faith and Good Counsel with my my guest today, Sue Ellen Browder. We'll be right back, y'all. This is a Young Catholic Minute. Why can't I follow my own conscience? You can, if it's properly formed. If you were trying to win a top-secret cross-country road race with a prize of over $100 million, you'd want to make sure that your GPS was right. Getting to heaven is actually even more important. That's why you need to make sure that your moral GPS, your conscience, is pointing you in the right direction. How do we make sure that our consciences are formed in truth and not in personal biases or societal error? After all, when John Wilkes Booth shot Lincoln, his conscience told him he was liberating his country from a tyrant. The answer is actually pretty simple. Listen to the Catholic Church. After all, Christ founded it to get us to heaven. So the Church got her teachings from God Himself, has never changed them, and has spent 2,000 years explaining and clarifying them for us. How long have you been working on yours? For more, go to youtube.com slash youngcatholic. Welcome back, everybody, to the Faith and Good Counsel show. I'm Stacey Galena, your host. So very happy and deeply moved by my guest today, Sue Ellen Browder. She's the author of Subverted, the brand new book, How I Helped the Sexual Revolution Hijack the Women's Movement. Now, that title doesn't move you. I don't know know what will. Um, She is the former longtime freelance writer for Cosmopolitan magazines, and they were selling y'all a feminine identity that was just a fantasy it was distorted. It was false. Welcome back, Sue Ellen Browder. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, thank you. And thank God for your witness. I truly mean that. Um, I'm so, so delighted that you're here with us today sharing. Um, so right before the break, Sue Ellen, you were just taking us into the good of the original women's movement. Um, and we were about to begin our conversation about how things got off track, and they did indeed get off track and there was a specific reason for that can you talk about that right let's let's show that at cosmo 
Um, as we know, that was pushing the sexual revolution, which we really made up a lot of that stuff. And Betty Friedan, who was head of the women's movement at that time, called Cosmo quite obscene and quite horrible. Mm -hmm. So how do we get to the point where so many young women today think to be free is to, you know, go to college, get a great degree, have a fantastic career, and be as sexually free as possible with no strings attached? How do we get those two joined together? Well, what happened was this the uh, abortion right got inserted into the women's movement one night in Washington, D.C. on November 18, 1967 in the Mayflower Hotel, and Betty Friedan had been convinced by a fellow magazine writer, a man named Larry Later, who convinced her that women needed abortion in the workplace to be free. She didn't believe it at first. The feminine mystique had nothing in it about abortion or contraception. But Larry was a fellow magazine writer, a Jewish atheist. He was both both he and Betty were Jewish atheists, so there wasn't any God above above telling them what to do. They were going to do this all themselves, okay? Mm-hmm. This is this is this was with all without God. And uh, Betty was convinced by Larry Later, who is the founder of the National Abortion Rights Action League, which is now called NARAL Prochoice America. His greatest passion in life was to make abortion legal. He was the biographer of my, Margaret Sanger. Mm. <laughs> and and so he convinced Betty to insert abortion into the women's movement. And the night that she called for the abortion right to be inserted into the women's movement, guess how many women were in that room? Not very many, as I learned from your book. Only about a hundred people were in that room that night. This is this is this is the thing that changed all of America. Okay, mm. only about a hundred people were in that room that night. Only the the abortion vote was Betty sprung it on people. They didn't they didn't know they were going to be voting even on abortion, and it created an uproar. Wow. And the the meeting went on and on and on. The fight went on and on and on. In the end, Betty, who was a very powerful woman uh, in terms of speaking and talking to people and looking at people, she was strong. She was powerful. She rammed through that abortion vote. Only 57 people in that room voted for abortion, and one-third of these founders of NOW walked out of that meeting and later resigned from NOW over the abortion vote. Wow. So that night, if you will, those were pro-life women. One of the women went on. Her name was Betty Boyer. She was an, a uh, lawyer in, in Ohio. She went on to f- form what was called the Women's Equality Action League. Now, this is some, a group that nobody has ever heard of because they didn't steal the stage, the media stage. But the Women's Equality Action League was the one that fought to get rid of help-wanted female um, ads and help-wanted male ads in the newspapers. They won those battles. They won the battles in the uh, courts to get women uh, equal rights in education. This is this, this pro-life women's movement that walked out of that room that night did arguably as much or more for women's rights than the pro-abortion group did. Wow. So what we have now today, what we're seeing today, is not the women's movement, pro-abortion, 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 and then these other people who are pro-life. What we're seeing here is an actual split 
that occurred within the women's movement on November 18, 1967, in the Chinese room of the Mayflower Hotel in Washington, D.C. And you and I, as you well know, we are not unliberated. We're free. Mm-hmm. We're very free. Christ mm-hmm. has set us completely Amen. free. We're freer than anybody. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> we are not the unliberated women. We are part of the women's movement. We are the pro-life women's movement. Amen. And that's what I'm going to be talking about in Washington, D.C. in January when I speak at the March for Life. Oh, that is so exciting. I didn't know you were going to be doing that. Praise yes, you, Jesus. I'm going to give... Yes, I'm going to be giving the keynote address the night before to hundreds of people at the March for Life, and then I'll be speaking from the platform on the next day. And then I'm going to fly back to to uh, San Francisco. I'm going to be talking to the Students for Life of America as well, both in Washington, D.C. and in San Francisco. Wonderful. Oh. So we're going to get this message out that... Women do not have to accept the sexual revolution to be free. In fact, that is anti-woman. Absolutely. That was an anti-woman And you will only be enslaved if if you decide to be buying into it. Wow. Can you explain um, the tie with Larry Later and Dr. Bernard Nathanson? Well, Dr. Bernie Nathanson and Larry Later were the two co-founders of the National Abortion Rights Action League, which in that day was the National Abortion Law Repeal organization or something like that. The laws had not been repealed yet. Uh, Bernie Nathanson uh, did, he was a doctor, he did claimed that he was responsible for 70,000 abortions before he converted to Catholicism. Well, no, 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 before he he became pro-life. Right. And then later, much later, he became a uh, uh, Jewish convert to Catholicism. But uh, Bernie Nathanson and Larry Later were the two co-founders of NARAL. My goodness. Well, Sue Ellen, you have made quite a jump from writing for Cosmopolitan Magazine and participating in this kind of distortion of true femininity. But you're now Catholic. You have had, thanks be to God, you have made it, have, have had a conversion, and I'd love to hear that story. Oh, it's just been, it's been a wonderful thing. I didn't convert until I was 57. And uh, I, the last thing I wanted to do, I, I, was a secular journalist. I, I, I yeah. told my husband, my husband wanted to convert, and I says, I'm not going to join that patriarchal old Catholic church. <laughs> <laughs> and then one thing led to another. We had a beautiful marriage. Uh, we were fighting over this quite a bit. I says, I'm, I can't become Catholic just because you want to, and he agreed with me. That was true. Uh, but then I began to investigate and uh, to see how different... Um, how my Protestant forebears had broken away from the Catholic Church, and and I found out that that history wasn't wasn't very solid. That that Luther had been kind of a foul-mouthed man who said women should just shut up and pray and not do much of anything else, and Ooh. if they died childbearing, that was fine because that's what they were made for. Whoa. And that didn't sound to me like uh, women's lib. Wow. <laughs> and, and then we were Episcopalian, and uh, so let's look at Henry VIII. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for a moment. Let's talk about that for a moment. Yes. <laughs> so he was killing mm. wives right and mm. left, mm. and uh, he wanted to get a divorce. That's why he broke away from um, the church. And Walter made the point that he broke away from the church because he didn't want a, a woman to rule England. <laughs> mm, my goodness. There's such a war on women from the garden, okay? From the fall in the from garden. The garden. Exactly. And just, oh my goodness, I'm just thinking about, you know, part of the beauty, one of the 
biggest beauties of the Catholic Church is that reconciliation, that coming home. And that's exactly exactly what you did. But there's still that, the damage, if you will, forgive me for saying so, that has been done. And, and our right. partici- we have all participated in it in one way or another. How do you reconcile that in your heart, Sue Ellen? Yeah. Well, the, I, I've written this book as penance to yes. try to uh, tell pe- women what ha- what is ha- what happened. I go to confession a lot. I think women who have been victims of this what we call an unholy alliance between the sexual revolution and the women's movement. Um, if you're Catholic, go to confession, seek healing. Whatever you've done, whatever you've suffered from this, can be healed. Uh, Pope Francis has declared uh, the next year, this next year, the year of mercy. Um, God, I, I had an abortion. It was oh, a very, very painful thing. Um, uh, I've been forgiven, and I, and with God's grace, you can be healed from that. Uh, it, you know, he he wants he wants us to to be with him and to be happy, and uh, that's that's. That's where I am now. Yeah. And you know, Sue Ellen, I hear the gentleness and the love in your voice. And one of the, the highlights and the beauties of your book, as I'm working my way through it, I'm getting really close to the end, but the love, the genuine love, the authentic love that you and your husband shared, that was a tremendous gift to you. And I think um, a guiding light, I think, to your true identity as a daughter of the Most High God. And God was leading you, and he's still leading you. Look at what he's doing with with yes. your your story, yes. Well, now you know where he's put me. I'm I'm in a little house called Creek House. I live right next door to my priest. Oh, <laughs> praise God! God is so good. He said, he said, "Browder, I'm not letting you get away again." <laughs> I need you really, really close to holiness and close to me. Oh my goodness! This, Sue Ellen, I would love to invite you if you're open to it. You can certainly discern this, but I have a brand new. Uh, podcast where we can I know there's so much more to talk about um, in a in a deeper fashion it's called the voice and vessel podcast and I would love to invite you to be my guest um, you we can just talk about that later but meanwhile last word from you um, to the young women today and, and even to my generation um, maybe you're suffering from our identities and are heartbroken I'm buying into that Cosmo girl fantasy what would be that pearl of wisdom that love that you could offer today well, I would I would turn to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, pray for forgiveness. Uh, go to church. Recognize that the uh, Christians now are are very countercultural, and that we have to uh, hang in here together and uh, work together to try to to change this this terrible culture that has been created over the last 50 years. And uh, God is with us. Amen. And I would like to very humbly, I hope that you'll be open to receive, but I would like to offer you my forgiveness, my personal forgiveness. And you you forgive me for the things that I've done to participate as well. And and I want to ask my listeners, I will be praying for you, Sue Ellen um, Browder, author of Subverted, How I Helped the Sexual Revolution Hijack the Women's Movement. We need to offer prayers for Sue Ellen Browder as she shares her story. I, I, I doubt seriously that the enemy will be happy with you for, for doing this, <laughs> for telling the truth. Um, and so, and, and others perhaps around, uh, you know, uh, uh, human beings. So I do want to oh. offer and surround you in prayer. 
Well, and, thank you so much. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, so there's so much, y'all. You need to get a copy of this, both women and men. This is a beautifully written book, may I say. She's a journalist after all. You have a, such a gift for writing, and it's well, thank you. very captivating. I, I, I'm just, it's hard to put it down, so I can't wait to finish it. And again, thank you, Sue Ellen Browder, for being with me. Tell us how we can get a copy of the book. Well, it is already sold out on Amazon. Wow, I can't, ima- I can't only imagine. <laughs> so I would go to Ignatius.com, or you can go to uh, EWTN, uh, Religious Catalog, and, or any Catholic bookstore, uh, and, and hopefully soon uh, Amazon. You can also go on and order it, and they will ship it when they get it back in. <laughs> so it's, it's available everywhere. Awesome. Well, God bless you. Everyone needs one on their shelf. We cannot let this history uh, pass away. So God bless you, Sibel and Browder. Thank you for your witness. Welcome home Thank to the Catholic so Church. And God bless you, my listeners. Thank you for listening. Fox Christie, y'all. We'll see you next time on the Faith and Good Counselor Show. Bye-bye now. Faith and Good Counsel is a production of Catholic Community Radio.